Okay, good morning members to the weekly committee meeting um, and to Patsy and Claire who are, um, Morris, who are online with us here this morning and Philip, Rosemary and Harry who joined us in person. Um, the, the meeting will include briefings. Today we'll include briefings from the, de the Department on the Environment and Green Growth Strategies, consideration of a number of SL funds and SI. Uh, I say Claire, uh, Morris and Patsy are online and um, are we expecting John? About quarter past, yeah. Jo John will be joining us now in, uh, in five minutes as well. Um, okay. Uh, and as we know, the committee meeting will be brought, recorded and broadcast throughout Parliament buildings and online. And you can use your mobile devices provided there in airplane mode. No any apologies. And um, the next item on the agenda is the um, the draft minutes, which of the meeting held last week, pages five to twelve. Are, are members okay that I sign off on last week's minutes? Yep. Okay. Um, if there's any uh, matters arising, um, members will recall that it had been agreed that the um, Members will recall that it agreed that the Deputy Chair and myself would meet the Convener and Deputy Convener of the Scottish Parliament for Culture, Tourism, Europe and External Affairs. The meeting is connection with the ports and what happens on the 1st of January. Its focus uh, is on an exchange of information. That virtual meeting is now confirmed for Thursday, the 19th of November at 3pm via Microsoft Teams. At this point, it is only the Scottish Convener and Deputy Convener who are attending. If any members of this committee wishes to attend, they should let Stella know by close of play today uh, to allow the meeting to be organised. To organize. So, um, if you prefer to make it, that would be that would be great. And even if you can't, we will be providing a full report back to the committee. It's Thursday, um, uh, Thursday, eighteenth November, Rosemary, this day week, uh, at three p.m. Uh, via Microsoft. <coughs> so, uh, if you, uh, also, if you can, uh, depending on if the meeting here finishes in reasonable time, you might be back in the constituency to do it, or else. Um, May have to do it from part of the buildings, whatever, whatever suits. But uh, be, be grateful uh, if you could um, try your best. So item number four, uh, we're going to have an oral briefing uh, from the uh, department on the environment strategy and green growth. Uh, we will receive the briefing um, followed by uh, questions from from members. Uh, then officials will present on the green growth strategy. I want to refer to the following documents: a memo from. Stella on the environment strategy page 16 to 18, correspondence from the department on 18 to 20, summary of the responses to the document on pages 21 to 56, memo from the clerk at 57 to 60, correspondence from the department 61 to 7, 67, and an or the oral statement uh, by the minister on the green growth strategy and delivery framework at page 68 to 81. I'd like to take uh, this juncture, I'd like to welcome uh, via Starleaf. Uh, David Small, Debbie Secretary, Simon Webb, Head of Neighbourhood Environmental Quality, Lucy Tay, Director of Resource Efficiency Division, and Aaron Wright, Acting Director of Green Growth. And I'd like to invite you to commence the briefing, and then this will be followed by questions from the members. Okay. Thank you. You're very welcome this morning. Thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah, we can hear you loud and clear. Uh, can, can Patsy and Claire Morris, can you hear okay? Can you They're muted, I think, at this stage. Sorry? They're muted. Oh, I, oh sure, they're muted. Yeah, okay, yeah, <coughs> let's get on, David. We can hear you fine, yeah. Okay. yeah. Thank you very much. Um, well, first of all, I appreciate the opportunity to be with the committee um, to discuss the environment strategies for the North Um The focus of our briefing this morning is to discuss the findings brought to public discussion exercise on the proposed strategy uh, as opposed to the detailed content of the strategy itself, and that still has to be filled. Uh, but to set this in context, I'll just take the opportunity to give the committee a bit of background on the strategy and how we have got where we are now. Northern faced many challenges such as climate change, waste management, and the development of the circular economy, waste crime, air quality, global environment quality, biodiversity loss, and soil quality. And there are specific issues associated with agriculture, such as agricultural vehicles, gas emissions, the effect of nitrogen runoff, and phosphorus on water quality and the impact of the emissions on our air quality and uh, designated sites and priority species. So it's a very busy frame. Um, <coughs> and along with the additional environmental opportunities arising from our withdrawal from the EU and the publication of the UK government's 25-year plan for the environment created a strong impetus for the first long-term environment strategy for Northern Ireland, which will form part of uh, the Green Growth Framework, you'll hear more about shortly from Tracy and Aaron. The UK Government Bill contains provisions which, if enacted by the Assembly, will require the Department to prepare an environmental improvement plan and works to assess progress. If the environment strategy is adopted as Northern Ireland's first environmental improvement plan on the environment bill, that will give the strategy a legal underpinning. Whilst no decisions have been made on this yet, the Minister will be engaging with his executive colleagues on the possibility uh, of an appropriate point. The Department launched a public discussion document on a future environment strategy in September 2019 last year to seek the widest possible range of views. It will be based on a series of high-level questions that provided the public and stakeholders with an opportunity to shape the strategy in advance of drafting work and commencing. The public discussion closed on the 5th of February 2020, with two and a half thousand responses received from across Northern Ireland, reflecting the views of a wide range of respondents, including young people. And we made particular efforts to reach young people, and we thought that was important. Working with Minister colleagues, a summary report was produced, and that I think has been copied to the committee. The Minister has not given his agreement to begin drafting the strategy, using the findings of the report informed content. The environment strategy team will be seeking input to the strategy from business units across Derry, from other departments on a wide range of issues, and from key stakeholders uh, in the coming months. As with subjects like energy, economy, and transport, the environment strategy one of the main strategy underpinning the executive's overarching green growth strategy and delivery framework. And while other sister strategies will contribute more to the green growth EM regarding net zero carbon and sustainable economic growth, the environment strategy will provide the focus for protecting and enhancing the wider environment. Chair, that's really all I can say by way of background, uh, but Simon as well and I will be very happy to take questions from, from members. Okay. 
Uh, th thank you for that there. Um, ju just to um, ask you there, uh, David, um, do you see, um, you, you say you, you had a public, there's a public consultation from uh, September to February, and, and that, that's a, a huge number of responses, uh, and that's, that's th those are very welcome. Is there another consultation plan again in March There. This is a very wide-ranging strategy, and um, I, I assume DERA will narrow it down into priorities and individual work plans with estimated timescales. When do you envisage us to see something like that? So the minister then will have the final say in relation to how you proceed. Yeah, we'll be working very closely with the minister. Yep. This will be um, you know, a strategy developed by Dara. As I say, 91% of us agree that the strategy should be an executive endorsed strategy, which the executive group will want to endorse it. Mm. Uh, we'll be doing all of that work uh, and making it really helpful. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Here, Rosemary. Uh, Claire? Claire? Can you hear me there? Yeah. yeah. Um, thanks for that. I, mean, I have to say, I agree with Rosemary that it's a very wide ranging strategy, but it's also um, wide ranging and very non specific, I suppose, it is what I was looking at and does focus heavily on um, carbon being the main sort of 
Well, we talked about for a few lines, you know, like the start, the objectives, um, you know, the whole raft of measures that need to be acted on. Um, and you're talking about the agri-sector, climate change, air quality, water quality. So I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm looking at the element of public participation within this. Um, so people have made their views um, clearly known in this response. But what other options will be explored for public participation? Uh, well, as you know, we're dealing with the vehicle of environmental at the moment. Um, I would find uh, aligned with the government and the government's strong governmental interest in life. And again, it's a very strong theme from the public discussion, uh, as there is a part of education and awareness. So, so we recognise that governance is important. Um, and you know, we, we, we will be. <coughs> Subject to the executive approval, um, joining join in, in the, the Office of Environmental Protection and its role in terms of challenging government departments, public authorities, in terms of meeting their environmental obligations. Um, and we, we, will be, we will be providing comment and, and thoughts on that within the strategy document. But as I say, that, that, you know, that process is not only now starting clear. Um, the discussion process was by changing because we want we wanted to get as as, as wide um, and, and broad a range of concepts that we could from uh, from the people you know we provide to. Um, and as I said, we got over we got two and a half thousand responses. It, it was successful in that respect, but we now need to focus in on what the key issues are, what the key themes and will be, and what the strategic goals will be within the strategy. That that will be. We'll be engaging with colleagues within the department, with other departments and wider stakeholders as we as we take that process forward. And that will then um, you know with, with all of it, we will then begin to draft up the detail of a strategy document, which we would then again. So there will, there will be opportunities for the views in terms of governance and how environmental governance is managed. Um, but we, we, will, we will take account of the, the evidence and the information that we have in the Okay, thanks for that. And I ask that because there was um, large interest in the responses for public forms such as citizens assemblies, for example. But I'm also looking at how the going for growth strategy, which was the previous one that has run out, um, was managed and this was stakeholder engagement level within that. And that was heavily focused on um, sector and business interests rather than wider public participation. And so looking at the, the, the consultation that was put out, um, being very wide, um, so two and a half thousand respondents were talking about public participation, setting up all these different bodies within it. The time frame and the timeline is undetermined, uh, and yet we know that these are very urgent issues. You know, so it's about marrying the speed of delivery, um, meeting our legal obligations, which is what is doing in a lot of areas. Um, um, for example, you mentioned an air quality strategy consultation coming out, you know, but you know, when did our last one run out? You know, I don't have been without a strategy. Um, so I do have a lot of concerns just about who will be engaging, the timeline for delivery, um, and how we move forward on this one. I suppose that again, a very carbon focus, um, where we have also biodiversity emergency, we have species extinction. Um, and we have all that damage, so that's not even been included really there, or no specific, shall I say, rather than not included. But, but I, I suppose, I suppose, Harry, the discussion process wasn't meant to be 
specific notes so if we deliberately didn't set out what we thought was used then, we were seeking views on the widest regions you're often around the challenges that we face. We've got very we've got very strong comments from themes coming through around climate change as I say, dominant themes around strong governance being needed. Uh, agriculture features strongly as another key theme for the strategy in terms of concern things with the impact of agriculture and as you say on, on, on things like work or biodiversity. So the strategy with those instead of set up our goals and our ambition around to really address those issues. And um, you the right you flagged up the issue of public participation. I agree that's important. Um, can I bring in Simon Clare just in terms of, of the, the the timetable ahead you know, as to when we hope to have a, you know, a draft strategy that will be consulted. And just an end for public participation and how citizens get involved. So, yeah, I, thanks, David. Um, yes, the, the expectation is that uh, we would be publishing a draft strategy for an eight week public consultation before the end of March. Um, that would take us up then until around the end of May, um, and that would then allow uh, finalisation of the draft strategy by the autumn. So those are the sort of time scales we're working to. Now, in terms of engaging, um, indeed, one of the um, things with the identified in the strategy um, is environmental engagement. Um, that will actually broaden out now the environmental engagement and education in light of the comments we've received through the discussion document. Um, so we have had already very extensive collaboration. We had a large stakeholder event last year, around 90 delegates to a number of group events. Um, we've had the two and a half thousand say responses by the discussion document. We'll have more public engagement then through formal public consultation on the draft strategy. And, uh, COVID permitting, we will have more uh, engagement events as well. Okay, well, one of just the last one, if I can, then. Um, so, agriculture and farming practices have been a big feature in this, um, in, in the response, and I'm looking at the green growth strategy being developed as well. Um, so, I'm wondering, you know, with the level of response and that issue being brought to the fore with this consultation, um, has that um, affected any of the conversations or work being done in the department around a specific sustainable farming strategy? Um, for Northern Ireland, you know, we have you know historically you know provided the economic incentives for farming to do bad environmental practice, where we could flip that around staying sustainable farming by giving them economic incentives to do so. Um, so I'm wondering what the Department or what the thinking is on that? Yeah, so I think that's a very, very space. You, know, you mentioned green growth, uh, and we need to work out how the green growth framework that Tracy will be talking about will merge and work alongside the environment strategy. We've got climate change and a whole range of challenges around and all of government being involved in that. Uh, we've also got a huge agricultural policies that we might have you know, So we, we will be we'll be thinking carefully through what future agricultural policy should look like, how you can ensure the future agricultural policy, as well as creating you know, a, a, a model that delivers food food and rewards farm, both with delivers a model that delivers for the environment. So yeah, we, we, we are taking account of all of the issues that we're hearing, taking 
kind of the evidence and the data that, that, that we can see because um, you know, we're seeing signs that um, phosphorus levels in rivers is, is increasing, um, nitrogen levels in green water for bodies are increasing. We, you mentioned biodiversity, we know that ammonia, for example, is having an impact on our biodiversity habitats. So we're very aware very aware of the need to begin to address those. And the way to address those is to make that agriculture more sustainable. Uh, the minister has, has put sustainability at the heart of the department's vision. Um, I, I think going forward, he's very, he, he is here that, that we want agriculture to deliver both good food but deliver good environmental outcomes. I think we do recognise there are pressures, and agriculture puts negative pressures on, on the environment, and we need to find ways, whether it's through research, different farming methods, different technology that we can use uh, of making agriculture more sustainable. And we will be trying to build that into the future agri agriculture policy work that other colleagues in the department can support. So we do have certain challenges, and we will be attempting to take all of them never recognize the challenges it's been there for so long you know it's it's the actions it's delivery you know we don't have the time anymore and it's, that's the crucial that we do know we have the evidence we have the research we have the staff it's all there and it's been there a long time um so that's my point you know and i think that this process is another long drawn up yeah okay and hopefully the strategy will be with when we begin to draft the strategy and um, what it is we're trying to achieve we'll, we'll then be to put more colour on what we need to do. You know, so for example, at the moment we have developed a set of measures that will reduce ammonia emissions in North Ireland. We're we're in discussion with the Minister on that and we want to get that launched. And there will be an environmental farming scheme that is beginning to deliver environmental improvement, environmental workshops. We want more farmers to get involved in our environment and to farm in a sustainable way. Um, and there will be other, other similar programs and measures where we support farmers in that. We just launched a uh, farm business improvement scheme, another tranche, again, support environmental measures, supporting low emission spreading technology. Uh, and so you know, there are a lot of actions that we are taking, but I think we recognise we need to continue that and do more. Uh, and the strategy gives us a chance, an opportunity to put that kind of framework around all of that. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, Patsy? Patsy? Patsy, you seem to be muted there. Yeah. Yeah, Patsy, we can hear you now, yes. Yeah, that's okay. Thanks very much, Karen. Thanks very much, everybody. Um, I was just looking at the time frame there. Uh, the previous document was launched on the 18th of September last year, so we're, we're over a year on since that. Uh, I realised and recognised that there's been a bit of work going on since then. Well, I, I note the time frame then for, just to make Claire's point, is for uh, a strategy document to be available for end of March time with another eight week consultation period. Have you any projected period for an actual strategy from an implementation strategy? Uh, I'm not sure if we've, we've you know, had a specific data in mind, Patsy, but um, it, it, so we, we will go through the public consultation on the more detailed strategy proposals when, when all of that's been drafted up. Uh, and it's, it's important that, that we, we give time to the public consultation to allocate it to for spring 
fifth for next year. At that stage, we would then do nailing down, you know, what the strategy content will look like. And as I say, there, there, is, there is a desire, strong desire from the respondents that you didn't get your strategy. And with that, that in the department ministry, please, then there will be another piece of work in terms of taking it to the executive and getting the executive accordion. Um, but I admit, my, my hope would be that next year we will have first ever environment strategy and of setting out our ambitions to protect our environment and improve the environment and, you know, and the kind of issues that we deal with. Um, can't give you an exact date, but there, there will be work, work ahead of us next year. Um, and I, I'll be thankful we have a first ever environment strategy in place by the end of next year. Just let me follow up from that. Um, is there any benchmark by which you will develop it? In other words, strategy in, say, some other part of these islands or uh, the European dynamics or whatever those may be? Uh, in other words, we, I'm looking at this and um, I'm saying, what, what are your criteria for what would be an adequate strategy as opposed to something that could potentially be dumped down to, to make it not as adequate as it could be? Yeah, well, as I say, the, the public consultation exercise will, will give the public an opportunity to, to say what they, they want the strategy to do and whether what we've drafted is, is appropriate and adequate. And we will do it in another region, because we'll work with the, the England 25 year environment plan. Um, we'll be looking at what other regions in the UK are doing, what's happening in the South. So, yeah, we, we will look at you know, a road and, and see what, what, what is being done. Some of the challenges we face in Northern Ireland are similar to the challenges elsewhere. Some are more unique in Northern Ireland. Um, you know, very heavy reliance, for example, on agriculture, and some of the issues in agriculture are, are difficult to deal with. But I think we, we will take account of all of that, um, and we will seek to make the, the, the strategy ambitious and, and worth, worth having, because, you know, we won't work on the strategy to be funded. Okay, thanks very much for that. Well, okay, thanks, Chair. Okay, uh, Philip, Patrick. Thanks, uh, Chair. Uh, David, uh, maybe I misheard you, but I think you said that uh, you, you were working or looking at the opportunities uh, coming from the EU withdrawal. So, I mean, I'd be quite interested to see what opportunities exist within the environment from EU withdrawal. Yeah, I'm not, sorry, I'm not sure what I said or what the context was. I think I certainly mentioned the environment bill, um, the, you know, the, the, the fact that we have sought to keep options open on the environment bill, so the Assembly has the opportunity to pick up some of the provisions. And some of those provisions are, are, are specifically around future governance arrangements, when we lose the governance of the EU. So, an Office of Environmental Protection, for example, if the, commit, if, um, the Assembly agrees, we, we then again operate within Northern Ireland, and, and that, that is specifically to, to fill the, the, the government's vacuum that we'll have when we leave the EU with transition. But there will be opportunities, you know, some, 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 of, some areas of the environment we will still be locked into some EU requirements on, under Annex 2 of the Northern Ireland Protocol, but there will be other environment areas where we will have a bit more, a bit more freedom. To do things potentially differently, trying trying to even see it but possible to do it way, um, and, and that, that's something that we will begin to, to address. We, we haven't yet because so much effort has gone into you know, the, the work to actually leave the EU and uh, work our way out of the work that the committee got knows. 
uh, a lot of our time has been, has been dealt in our dealing with, with, with all of that. But there will be, you know, there will be areas that will want to provide a transition if we have the resource capacity available. Uh, look at whether there are you know, areas of work that we have been doing uh, in the way that we have told us to do it for the last 40 years. There's some areas where there might be better ways of managing some of the challenges, so we will be looking at those uh, opportunities, but we haven't yet thought to do that. Okay. Uh, I mean, in terms of the the consultation. Uh, I mean, I, I share the frustration uh, of Claire and others in that you know a, a large degree of this. I mean, it's a good consultation, and, and it certainly was well responded to from organisations and the public. Uh, uh, and there's some really good answers, but it's not something. Are there issues that aren't new that, that we couldn't have predicted? Uh, I mean, I, I just uh, I'm a, have a bit of a concern in that, you know, it, it was clear before this consultation that the majority of people uh, here want an independent uh, EPA, that we want a Climate Act, uh, and I'm, I'm concerned that we are actually building uh, all of this wrong in, in the sense that, you know, the starting point for whether it's environmental strategies or green growth should be uh, a Climate Act. Uh, uh, merged with uh, environmental protection legislation rather than the other way around. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's probably arguable if we had a different minister that rather than, uh, than tasking officials to do uh, consultations, they would actually be devising legislation to put these in, in place. And, and I understand that's not the fault of, of uh, civil servants, but I mean, it is the case that you know a lot of these things are things that, that we have known and that we are kicking the can down the road. Yeah, no, look, I, I think I'm quite clear to say we're all aware of the challenges, um, but I still think the first ever environment strategy, you know, it was important to go through that, you know, um, an appropriate and detailed public discussion process. Um, you, you, might, you might suggest, well, did, did you learn anything new from it? I suppose. You know, some days that we did get the information where where around the strong desire that you get executive your strategy, for example, something we might not have anticipated. Um this but we do there. Um so you know you might be right, we 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 could maybe be working looking ahead on some of the issues I'm not really happy with as I say we worked on an ammonia production plan that 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 very um we have worked on our quality strategy that was a big but, um, launched this week, but and unfortunately had to be delayed for a number of reasons. But it will be launched very soon. So we are working on a range of issues. Um, the minister has tasked us to to draft up um, draft legislation on climate change, and we have we we are part of discussing all of that with the minister at the moment. So we we hope we forward with climate change legislation, uh, but not waiting until we have an environment strategy in place. Um, so I, I, I understand the point, but but it's not it's not that we haven't been doing things. So we have a whole a whole uh, range of, of measures that, that we are implementing on as we speak. Uh, say around the one year around climate change legislation. Um, we're working with all the departments on climate change mitigation measures. Working with the uh, department for for economy on energy on their energy strategy. Working with DFI on all transportation initiatives. That, that will, Change and some of the challenges. So, you, what, why should we prepare the first bit of the strategy? And we have a big point in time, I suppose, to do it. Mm -hmm. I 
At the same time, we were delivering on a whole range of other, other interventions and, and programs. Um, when, when we have the environment strategy in place, that will just create a strong framework within which we continue to update those other sister strategies. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll go as quick as we can on the environment strategy. Okay, and I mean, in terms of some of the issues, I mean, you're talking there about ammonia. I mean, when are we going to see an ammonia strategy? I, I would hope within the coming couple of months. Um, it's, it's a very complex issue. It's, it, it's a challenging issue. It will be challenging for the industry. We need to work out how I support the industry to, to deal with it. Um, and today we, we, already, we have recently launched a, a new tranche of After the production and publication of the strategy, I mean, will there be uh, engagement? I mean, there's obviously engagement within the sector now, but will there be a, a consultation process with regard to that strategy and all the other strategies that you're uh, looking at? Yeah, I suppose we. Yeah, uh, Claire mentioned again, it, it should probably participate in some of the other strategies. Um, we have Chair, thank you, David, Simon, Patricia, and Aaron. David, um, good consultation there. Must admit, eleven interesting questions and definitely more interesting answers. I'll just go through a few maybe for wee points. Tourism, for instance, um, historic and heritage was mentioned. That's very good. Of course, I hope motor heritage is in there as well. And then transport. There was congestion mentioned, but there was one wee word mentioned that I thought, whoops, and that was charges. Not sure how that would go down. Um, and energy, renewables should be affordable. I mean, I think that's a really good point. If we want things to be renewable, they really should be affordable. It's sometime, the time taken to get renewables on the ground seemed to be an issue as well. I'll just go through them all if that's okay, and then it's easier when you're... And then <clears throat> there was another national parks. I know there's a lot of people, I mean, interested in these, but also know that landowners need to be on board. It can be a controversial one. Um, energy sources easier to construct, that sort of follows on the other one. I thought it was a good one, reducing food waste, and that was at all stages. That's from production, consumption to disposal. So um, maybe a few wee comments on those, David. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the international visitors and you know, there's, there's some folks at home, 
So I, I suppose tourism's in there because of the potential that uh, you know a good clean environment offers, and also underpin the point of, of why it's important that we do what we can to protect our environment because there are lots of spin-off benefits that come from that. Um, you mentioned energy, the energy strategy that's underway, you know, and a lot of potential there, I think. Uh, you mentioned renewables, we've already done extremely well in North America, renewable electricity. I can't remember the figure, and the Minister puts the figure, but I think it's 40% plus, maybe getting towards 50%. So actually on renewable electricity, we're doing really well. Um, but again, you know, a lot, a lot of potential to do more food waste, and um, we've, we've, we've made good progress on. So, uh, some of the regulations that came out the last few years have encouraged householders you know, to manage their food waste in a better way, um, encouraging the retail sector, hospitality uh, sector, and food waste better. Uh, and we have seen a, a, you know, a very significant reduction in food waste, and from that, you know, yeah, we then have various other benefits in terms of reductions of greenhouse gases. So, I, I mean, I, I think the environment strategy and the initiatives that we, we, we will hopefully include in it create a whole range of opportunities um, for green jobs potentially in, in the renewable sector, and for tourism and, and those outdoor activities. Which um, again, you know, more important, you know, under lockdown with COVID restrictions. And having beautiful places to visit was about the only thing that we had sometimes. So I think, I think all, all of the issues you've highlighted there underpin why it's important to, to have that, a strong environment strategy in place with, with you know, good public participation, strong government arrangements that hold, hold, hold it all point in terms of what we're doing. Uh, and you know, we, we have an awful lot to do, I think, in terms of all behavioural change right across Northern Ireland, both in, at individual but also you know, for, for sectors uh, where, where we need to start doing things differently. And it's, it's not going to be an overnight solution, but hopefully the environment strategy will set a, a very clear direction where we need to go in Northern Ireland that if we're serious about protecting our environment, our natural capital. Uh, you know, the, the, the natural ecosystem benefits that all of that can provide because we need clean water, we need clean air, we need strong, you know, strong, healthy soils for agriculture. Uh, it all tells us an environment strategy is going to be a very important piece for North America going forward. And those last points that you made there. Um benefit health in general too, so it's very good. I'm looking forward, David, to the key themes and what the goals are too, so look forward to it. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chair. All right, all right. Um, William? Thank you, Mr Chairman, and uh, thank you for your presentation, even though I apologise I wasn't here in time to hear it all. I think in relation to uh, an environmental strategy, I think it's vital that we get it right. Um, I'm a farmer, I've been a Formed all my life, so I, agriculture will play its part. I believe farmers want to help, need guidance and financial help to, to try and change the way some things are done. Uh, and I know that uh, the, the new uh, scheme at the moment will ha help in some way to that regard. But I mean, I think we need to put things into perspective and be careful that we don't. Um, damage our own agriculture and at the same time 
the UK as a whole imports 40% of its food, imports food from other regions that really does contribute to global warming. Like it. Our global warming contribution is so small, 0.04%. Yes, I don't say, I, I, I agree we need to do something, but I think we need to be realistic in what we do and sensible in what we do. And I think getting, a, getting this right and getting a balanced approach is very, very important. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, as I say, Minister has to be sustainability at, at, the, at the heart of the department's vision. I think that, that was an important and clear message that came from the Ministry very early on. Um, and I, you know, agriculture has, has, has very positive impacts on the environment, but it also has some negative. And I, mean, I, I, know, I know I think that you know, I'm talking to colleagues in the agriculture industry, there is a desire. I think within the industry that as well as keeping itself competitive, keeping itself profitable, that the industry begins to manage those negative impacts. Because I don't think I don't think they want to have negative impacts on the environment. I don't think they want to see negative impacts on water quality. Uh, and they want to work I think I believe they want to work with the department now to where there are problems, address those problems, and the department might have to help them do that. But at the end of that we have Uh, for example, I know that the, the department already does community outreach 
um, work in some of its business areas, and I'm not disputing for a moment the value of a departmental or agency uh, PR campaign in relation to the environment, but surely it is crucial to engage perhaps three arms length like bodies and councils, uh, community organisations, existing uh, environmental groups, volunteers who already do work on habitat restoration are, are, are a good example. Um, and I'm keen to know how we embrace the voluntary sector capacity that is already there, uh, bring it into to the work that's being done through the uh, environment strategy, and also uh, maximise if possible the engagement across the, the local areas. Yeah, and you have to agree totally. We want to engage positively and comprehensively as we can. I'll bring Simon in, in a moment just on that. You may want to say a bit more about what, how we do that. And then we do, we do work obviously with the environmental NGO, so we do have a strong relationship with, with, with those organisations. Uh, we work very closely with groups like Keep Keep All Night Beautiful, very, very proactive, positive organisation, and you know, we, we work very closely with them. But I agree with you, I think what we can do in terms of you know, working with, with local groups, community groups, who are already doing good things for the environment, then we should certainly be doing that. And if, if we can build on that community involvement, I think it would be a good thing to do. And I would sign for in a moment if you want to add to that. On the waste, the waste point, John, I mean, um, I suppose that the approach to pilot now is that we were not directing councils for the quality issue. We, we are setting clear goals in terms of what we want to achieve around recycling and actually not that we've done the marketing well. I think our last year was 52 percent which is below a household is recycled. The minister is very keen that we push that up to um, a higher percentage. We will be setting a, a target for that. Um, so we, we have done quite well and, and despite the fact that there has to be total consistency. Um, We've done pretty well. Now, we, we have launched a household based collaborative program, which we've run for a number of years. It's worth something like 23 million, I think. And councils can get into that program to enhance their recycling facilities and enhance their approach to recycling. Uh, and, and we hope that that will create um, you know, an opportunity and a mechanism, maybe to get a bit more consistency. But it, it, it hasn't been our part of our. Uh, our role, I suppose, on our preference to direct councils, absolutely, in terms of how they, how they do it. But we, we are developing a, a pretty, pretty strong relationship now with councils. Uh, we, we meet regularly with, with them at a strategic level. Uh, and those are the kind of issues that we can continue to discuss, I think, with the chief executives uh, around whether at some point there is merit in, in Northern Ireland councils coming together in, uh, in a more consistent way. Um, and if, if that delivers better results, then it's certain. Thank you. Okay. Do you want to say anything for that? Yeah, thanks, David. Um, you already mentioned Keith Northern Ireland Beautiful there. Um, oh, sorry, can't hear David. Yeah, thank okay. you. Okay, and the uh, department of course funds um, a large number of uh, third parties through its environment fund out of the revenue raised through carrier bag levy. And uh, it's very much the case, you know, the case people in Ireland Europe would provide substantial funding, um, which involves very large numbers of volunteers, including 
and the Big Spring Clean, which is the largest volunteer event um, in Northern Ireland each year. Um, so it is very much something we want to build on. We'll be making it a central theme of the strategy in the coming months um, in terms of community involvement. Uh, and indeed, the Minister has made the point uh, that everyone, uh, individuals and communities, have their part to play in this. Yeah, but so John, I think the point there is that that's something that we will continue to focus on. Um, and as Sam says, you know, to the environment fund, we funded a lot of groups and a lot of local initiatives, which are all very successful and, and, and deliver well. Um, and we will want to continue to try and build on that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, Claire, you're looking for a question there? Thanks very much for letting me in again. I just wanted to follow up. I mean, you talked about a lot of strategies that are being worked up um, at the minute, and, and that's great. And Philip asked specifically about the ammonia strategy that you said that is crucial to every within two months, and that you're working with this sector closely in how to deliver that. So, I suppose, following on from that, is there any Participation around green growth than 
Thank you for that, um, John. Uh, Morris? Morris? Can you hear me, Morris? You're, you're, you're muted, yeah. Morris? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, thanks very much, Chair. Uh, well, thank you very much for your presentation so far and your answer so far. Uh, but in terms of climate change, I think that Northern Ireland has side in hand. Very, very sad in hand. And uh, as such, we need legal powers and enforcement going forward. Uh, I think we need a method of the bluer page, not just the damage he causes, but also for the, the cost of putting that damage right. But one of the things that I feel that it really needs to be concentrated on is the planning authority to ensure uh, joined up thinking through local councils and communities with clear direction when assessing applications to put the environment first. Are discussions taking place to address this? Um, yeah, so the first uh, uh, extended reduced responsibility, which we're doing joined in across the UK, which is really about producers taking responsibility. And um, I suppose along the lines of, of polluter pays, producers taking responsibility for what they produce and how the waste then needs to be managed. And, and paying for that, for the cost of that. So that, that, that's a, a wide initiative, and kind of part of that, the part of the early consultations and our further consultation plan early next year. Um, so yeah, we, 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 are, we are taking forward some of the work for us. Um, you, you also mentioned climate change, but it's lagging behind. Um, there is a private memory bill, I think as you know, that, that's been drafted. We, we within the ministers asked have also been drafting um, a consultation on, on climate change legislation. And I think our feeling is that if we're going to do climate change legislation, we need to do it well. And I know there's a desire to do it quickly, and I think it's about trying to find a balance you know, where, where we do it as quickly as we can, but we do it comprehensively. We do it well, and we do it in a way that reflects Northern Ireland's specific challenges. Um, so again, we, we're working on, on, on that issue as well. I'm working on a range of other, other environmental challenges and, and the various uh, programs of work that I've that referred to. Um, Northern Ireland is actually doing better in some areas than, than, than other parts of the UK, so we're, we're, we're definitely not uh, the, the bottom of the league table and everything on, on household waste recycling. We are doing better in a lot of other areas. And on water quality, we are doing better than some than, than other areas. But you know, it's, 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 it's a continual challenge. I don't think we can we, we we want to leave it that way. We know we, we know we can be better uh, and the environment strategy will set a framework in the context for how we must do that and the green group. But we'll set a really strong context for Northern Ireland with with both on green and focus on green credentials. Uh, and, and you know, hopefully we will uh, angry about and we'll we'll put ourselves up. Okay. Uh, just to be sure, the last hour, just a big question there. Uh, the 
Jason brings out a, a clear message that uh, not enough trees are being planted or being put in enough uh, emphasis on wildlife and insects and keep them to the fore, particularly when planting uh, bee friendly flowers and flower beds. I've not been an advocate for insects, but they do feed uh, many bird species, something that is all, I think, is all overlooked uh, during plant applications and so on and so forth. Uh, what's the, the department? Uh, Inclusive local councils to ensure that there are greater planting schemes and then rolled out across the country. I'm um, not sure what will be done with local councils, but you know, through, through things like the environment farming scheme, we'd be working with first would be supporting farmers <coughs> to, do, to do the kind of thing to talk about either create woodland or, or create species rich grassland and do that on the feed, feed our population. Um, and and that, that scheme, the environment farming scheme, we're continuing to revise with we've had a recent Crunch. I'll take what's the science people have liked, but we'll continue to promote it. We're, we're planning further crunch, hopefully, if we can um, get, get approval to do that. We are working with the Forest Service in terms of deforestation, increasing deforestation in Northern Ireland. Forest Service within the department are working with councils and other public sector bodies around to enhance deforestation and within creation. Um, and I think through the environment fund that the Senate mentioned earlier, you know, we, we offer support to local communities and councils around creating biodiversity schemes in the rural areas, you know, which will which will enhance um, enhance the environment but also provide you know, that that species rich, you know, that, that will attract bees and attract birds and, and insects as you say. So we we, we do we do already do quite a lot in that area, but you know if there are opportunities to do more, then hopefully through the consultation and work on the environment strategy, we'll, we'll capture where those opportunities are. Um, and, and we feel there's, there's merit in, in pursuing those further as well. Okay, Morris. Hey, uh, one final one, if that's yeah. with your permission. Go ahead, Morris. In regards to the ammonia, what technologies are emerging? Uh, you separate fluids from solids and, and turn to ammonia in a byproduct of urine mixing or tree droppings. And could separate you know, fluids from solids reduce the amount of ammonia going into the ground? Yeah, I think, I think there, are, there are lots of technological opportunities uh, and solutions out there. Some of them still being tested. Uh, I think what, you know, what is clear is that we need to embrace new technology as far as we can. Because I think that that's likely to be part of the solution. Uh, but I, either, either, uh, sorry, separate type technology, but also in, you know developments in terms of animal feed, where through changes to animal feed content, you, you can reduce the ammonia that that's produced. Um, and I think there are, there are lots of opportunities like that uh, where we can help help the sector. Address the one challenge, you know, using research, using new technology, using new food, animal feed diets, uh, using new technology like global machine spreading. Uh, and and there's, a, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff out there, so we need to investigate all of those. Um, and, and that's, that's what we'll be, we'll, we'll be trying to um, And hopefully, the ammonia reduction plan that we're, we're hope, hopefully going to go to consultation on soon will begin to be able to set out some of those opportunities. Okay, thank you. Okay. Sure. Thank you. Problem, Morris. Uh, Rosemary, yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me in again, Chair. Sure. Just um, you, you mentioned Morris mentioned planning in relation to planning. There, I think it's very important that there is consultation with planning. But 
At the present time, there is a huge problem with planning and agriculture. For example, I know a number of number of uh, agricultural businesses who have been building. They have been building more comfortable, safer, share, safer buildings for their animals and for themselves. That they're safer going into animals, etc., etc. While the number of animals being put in the shed is not increasing. They, they're having great difficulty getting planning permission, even though the number of animals are not increasing, because they want to build a safer shed, a safer building for these animals and for themselves. They're being turned down and there seems to be a bit of a conflict there that needs to be sorted out. Um, there's that issue and there's also the issue in relation to the keeping of hens. Uh, Again, you have some some of these these people in the poultry in the poultry production where they are actually moving from keeping hens in cages to having them free range, and there's difficulty there getting planning permission. Even though they're reducing the numbers, they still seem to not want them free range. Yeah, so well, that, that's it's not an easy an easy one to to address. And I wrote that there are a lot of complex issues in there. And you're right, council for competent authorities underpinning the law. So when they made a planning decision, they have a competent authority and they're responsible for that decision. And they need to satisfy themselves that they're complying with all relevant uh, rules and, and pieces of environmental legislation, which, which they are doing. But on, on, some, on some applications, they remain concerned that, in, in, in the case, for example, where they're putting up a new, a new house which might might help to reduce ammonia emissions, <coughs> they need a kind of what the current position is. If the current operation is already you know, vastly exceeding what is permitted, and, and that, that development will reduce that slightly, they may take the view well, that's not enough because the damage being caused already is, is far too far too excessive. Um, so there may be cases, and I won't sign for all, but, but when an application for, for a new house might put in place a more modern house, which would reduce the ammonia problem slightly, because it's still reaching the rules so far, you know, by, by such an extreme, councils may find it still difficult to grant a planning commission. And I think the solution is, is through the work that we're going to do through ammonia mitigation, through ammonia, ammonia reduction plan, Helping farmers manage ammonia levels on their farms uh, through the technology that we've talked about and, and different farming approaches. Um, but at the moment, I, 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 I agree there are some applications that are getting caught, uh, and it's very frustrating for the farmer, probably costly for the farmer because of the, 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 the paper planning consultants and for their, their applications so on. Uh, and the same applies on, on the example of the, the hen houses where. Some are moving to open free uh, range hens. Again, it depends on, on the individual circumstances of the planning application and what level of ammonia emission is already being experienced. Uh, and, and, and what I'm gathering, what, what I'm picking up is that some kinds is so high, even with a, a, a reduction in your it still remains too high. Uh, but that, that kind of takes us into the whole area of planning and it is complex and it's by no means straightforward. But it's something that we're very aware of and we'll try to work with uh, the Department for Infrastructure and Planning 
alongside our own work on the Nomi reduction to try and find a solution to that. Thanks. Um, before I go on to Philip for, for our question there, um, one of the things, uh, John, that um, I didn't really note it in great detail on the strategy was the, the fact that we share jurisdiction with the, the south of Ireland, and obviously you know that these issues around environmental protection don't recognise any type of, of borders at all. So, what uh, level of engagement have you been having with the, uh, your partners, your your sister or your relevant or relevant department in the in the in the south of Ireland? We we, we have good relationships with colleagues in the south. Um, you know, if, if you take for example our international border bodies, that's been very soon they they cross their the transatlantic they cross the border, and we've got a very good cooperation in place with with uh, the south in terms of the mechanisms and the measures that are sometimes address some of the water issues. On ammonia, they've been talking specifically with our white colleagues about their own challenges. They have challenges in the south. Our ammonia levels here, unfortunately, are higher. We have a challenge to deal with. Uh, but we do, we, do work, we do work closely with colleagues in the south on, on the various measures that have the opportunity um, contemplating. Um, and then, you know, the, the issue of ammonia is a transboundary issue because we will have farms work working on the border area and some of their ammonia problem uh, affecting in this new site deciding might be coming from across the border um, and establishing the site in the north. Um, they, they will do what they can on their farm to reduce the ammonia levels, but it might not actually be enough to protect that person. Right? Because some of the harm is coming from across the border. And the same over the other way on, on occasion. So, transboundary issues, something that we need to deal with. And I think you know, that, that, that the continued engagement with colleagues in the south is important. Um, and it will be important to try to manage those transboundary issues, but sometimes they will be managed. Thanks, Chair, for letting me in again. Uh, I mean, a lot of these issues that we're talking about are, are, are obviously com complex and have competing narratives, and, and we have to kind of uh, sort out uh, issues in maybe a, a progressive manner. I mean, and this is maybe not at the same level, obviously, as climate change and all of those things, but it's really frustrating. Uh, I raise this all the time the level of flight happen and littering uh, that we see here. Now, I'm my political perspective doesn't normally allow me supporting uh, heavy law and order or enforcement, but I mean there must be something that we can do. I mean, obviously it's a cultural issue that I just can't fathom why people would throw litter either in small amounts or, or large amounts. But what I mean in terms of the strategy, can we produce a strategy that's actually going to be effective and tackle this issue? I'll let Sam come in, Philip, and Kitty, just in case there's something specific around that. But again, I, I feel that I, I agree with you. Waste crime, not just in Northern Ireland, but right across the UK and other regions, and handle the site. Waste crime. Um, and there are, unfortunately, individuals out there who will either uh, attempt to save money by simply putting their waste, uh, or, or will try and make money out of it by, you know, by charging people to take their waste away, and then dump it. <laughs> so that, that, unfortunately, is something that does. But, um, on flight, I specifically, and you know, I work closely with councils in terms of work uh, for clearing up flight every when it happens. Uh, um, I think by and large, we, you know, we, we 
try to do that as well as we can. You, you will get the oil key and something goes wrong, something that this kind of a bigger problem, but by and large, I think consoles and airlines work pretty well together on that. Um, I'm not sure, Simon, that it has come up specifically as an issue under the environment strategy discussion process or whether we have given any particular thought around whether or not that's, that's a thing that we could maybe try to, to consider within the context of the environment strategy. The issue specifically of lettering was uh, quite a common thing that came up in the responses to the discussion document. And it is very much an area we expect um, to focus on within the strategy as we draft it. Uh, my team has specific responsibility for uh, legislation in relation to littering. And the last big piece of legislation on this issue was the Clean Neighbourhoods and Environment Act in 2011. And um, so it's a, an area that we do need to uh, look at and update. We are currently conducting a review of the fixed penalty notices, uh, which councils can issue uh, fines of up to eighty pounds for littering. Um, we currently, of course, have a marine litter strategy, but we don't have a terrestrial litter strategy. Um, so that's very much an area we expect to expand on um, in the environment strategy, and we'll be including the outcome of the review of the fixed penalty notices. Um, so, for example, the penalty available in Northern Ireland, as I say, is up to eighty pounds. But more recent legislation in England allows pet fines up to one hundred and fifty pounds. Great, thanks, Sam. So it is something we will look at in the context of the strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, chairs went out, so I'm taking over chair in the meeting. William, you're next. Uh, just a quick, uh, in relation to planning, and uh, David will be aware of this, I'm sure, but I mean, there's many farm buildings that were built in the 70s that are probably at the end of life. If those farms are not allowed to modernise and replace those old buildings, it will have ramifications for the future of agriculture, in that the next generation of young people coming on won't be able to stay on the farm. So I think this must be addressed, whereby in many cases, as has already been mentioned, there are no increases in ammonia levels. There's a modernization of that particular yard to try and continue. Uh, and I think, I suppose, again, it's down to the, getting the strategy in place that allows this to happen, because I think this is vital for the future. If, uh, if we don't let this happen, it will have ramifications for the next generation of farmers. Yeah, well, I, I, agree, I agree with you. So, as you say, we, we both know that it's a, a great problem at the moment. And I agree with you, if, if, if farmers are not able to update and, and modernise those farm buildings, that will have an impact on the farm viability. So I think it, I agree with you, it's something that we need, we need to work out, we need to find a solution to this. Uh, <coughs> I think the solution is somewhere in, in, in how or going through that strategy. If, if it's ambitious enough, can then allow greater greater <coughs> latitude and discretion discretion in terms of how we apply uh, the, the environmental rules within the planning system. I mean, we, we need to find a way of, of getting to the point where farm buildings can be modernised, both because that will help reduce the emissions. Uh, 
closer to the point where we, we will like the consultation a lot set of proposals. That will begin in a better direction on all of them, but I, I, I totally recognize it's a, it's a problem at the moment. The Minister, I think, recognizes it too, and the Minister is very keen to find a solution to this. And I think we'll be meeting with him again to discuss just how we can move all that forward. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks. I think that's all the questions for David. Uh, Tracy, you've been sitting very patiently, so we're, we're going to move uh, to yourself. Thank you, Philip. Finding it very hard not to chip in there, but uh, <laughs> I'm here today actually to talk about green growth. So thank you for the opportunity to brief the committee. Um, first and foremost, uh, committee, I would say that we're at the start of this green growth journey, and a lot of what you'll hear today will be a reflection of the thinking state, the ideas and the opportunities and the challenges that we've identified. I do hope that you will clearly see the link with the environment strategy that David has updated you on because the environment strategy will be one of the key strategies that sits at the heart of this green growth framework and it will set the tone uh, in terms of environmental protection and improvements that we're looking for in the next few decades. So following the initial engagement with his executive colleagues, you'll know that Mr. Fitz launched green growth as a concept and a statement to the Assembly on the 23rd of June. And since then, in the past uh, three or four months, officials have progressed work in this area, mainly through extensive engagement with MICS colleagues, particularly in the economy and infrastructure departments, and with a very broad range of external stakeholders from the business sector, environment sector, and local government. And this has been the start of what we call our co-design process for development strategy. We don't have all the answers, that's for sure. The expertise lies in many other areas, and Without doubt, a collaborative approach is going to be needed for the Green Growth Framework to be successful. So today's meeting with the committee is an opportune time for us to bring you up to speed um, on where we're at, but also at this early stage on the process to seek your views on how Green Growth as the concept, the strategy and the delivery framework are all shaped. So I will do a bit of recapping in terms of the rationale for the approach that has been taken um, and outline uh, the, the plans for the co-design and the delivery framework. So in terms of the rationale, you probably find that I'm, I'm commenting quite a bit or reiterating quite a bit of what um, David has said, but there are clearly a number of drivers at play. Um, so the UK government is committed to achieving net zero carbon by 2050, which means a radical change in context for our economy towards a more economically and environmentally sustainable model, uh, based on innovation and recognising the true value of the environment and the development of our people so that they can drive this new economy. And climate change has demonstrated beyond all doubt that our environment and our economy and our society are entirely interdependent. So effectively tackling the major challenge it presents can't be addressed in isolation through a raft of disparate strategies and plans. Uh, and I think, you know, I just wanted to say that that's a, a lesson reinforced for it by our recent experience dealing with COVID. Um, we, we definitely emerge stronger when we work together. So the Green Coast strategy will be the Northern Ireland Executive's approach to recognising this interdependency. It will ensure collaborative action, it will optimise our efforts and minimise the risk of unintended consequences. So aligned with the programme for government and new decade new approach commitments, the aim for this is that this will provide a roadmap to ensure that we work together to value our assets, environmental assets, grow those assets and in doing so grow our economy. So we, we have a big ambition here, we have a big aim and um, it's broader than, it's broader than uh, just the net zero target, we are talking about protecting and enhancing our environment, delivering sustainable economic growth, and also the society uh, will benefit from those outcomes. So how are we going to do this? Um, we've got a, a two key elements to the green growth approach. 
a strategy that extends to 2015 but will include immediate, medium and long term actions and a delivery framework that includes a series of foundation programmes and partnership agreements to create momentum and hopefully deliver the necessary change. We're very keen at this stage to actually demonstrate strategy and action on the ground. So we see these elements running in parallel. So the, in terms of the co-design, um, I'm just going to give you a feel for what we've, what we've been dealing with in terms of feedback from our stakeholder engagement. So we've said that we require collaboration across the executive uh, stakeholders um, beyond local government and, and certainly very much within the business and bonding committee sectors. So we've been engaging with all of those, taking their views on the, the need for this framework approach, how they think it should be developed, um, opportunities to make an impact on our climate, what should we be doing to improve the economy while considering the, the balance of the economy and the environment. It's been very well received so far from all of the stakeholders. Uh, we're also establishing a number of stakeholder groups who will be invited to continue to work with us on this co-design. And I've given you an example of that, a diagram in your briefing papers. Um, and in some ways, I hope that this will show the public participation that's very clearly needed. You'll see that we've set up a series of uh, mechanisms, one of which is the Green Growth Community, which definitely, in terms of what Claire was talking about, is very much in that public participation arena. So we know we, we know at this stage pretty much you know the big players who we want to involve in the co-design process. They range from the business sector, faculty community sector, academics, UFU, ENGOs. And to give you a sense of some of the feedback that we've been uh, provided with, um, they said we need to build relationships with key delivery partners. We must create a level of awareness and understanding and enthusiasm for green growth. We must, working with others, identify and develop the opportunities and ideas. We should identify those measures which offer most opportunity towards achieving net zero. We must reassure both environmental and business interests of the shared goals and ambitions. And we must encourage policy areas across the NICS to integrate green growth thinking into future policy. And there must be investment in this ambitious but much needed plan. I would say, you know, uh, you know, if I was to say one of the key messages that's come through, Green Growth provides an opportunity to join the docs that has been, in some ways, a bit of a gap or missing um, in, the, in the past. We'll also be looking in terms of this co-design process, as well as all of those stakeholder views and bringing together the right people. We'll also be looking at best practice, best practice elsewhere and lessons learned. So in parallel to that then, we've also started work on the delivery framework. And this will consist of a range of programmes which together will contribute to cross-cutting targets and outcomes. It'll be a mix of policies and strategies and on-the-ground plans of action. So key strategies will include the one that David's just outlined, the environment strategy, and you can see how ambitious that is and, and the, the, the scope within the environment strategy. We've also got the economy strategy, the transport and the energy strategy, and we've began our conversations with those departments in terms of how this all will come together and fit. But using all of these policies and strategies, the aim is, and to coin a phrase that somebody said, um, they will walk us from where we are today to where we want to be. Um, and, and we do have, in terms of key things emerging, agriculture, transport, energy, waste management and business. Um, and again, that's in your briefing pack. But to start the process, we identified those things to start to, to take us forward. Um, we've also then start through the development of foundation programmes. The first of which you'll be aware of is our Forest for our Future, which the Minister launched. Um, and as you know, that's 18 million trees by 2030. And it is a mix of matching uh, the economy and the environment. It will create 
uh, jobs, I think in somewhere in the region, forest sector, forestry sector, there's a thousand rural jobs, um, and also from timber production, something around 60 million pounds per annum. So that's, you know, trying to get these links to join up both the economy and the environment. In addition, to help shape the delivery framework going forward, uh, Minister Putz has wrote recently to his executive colleagues requesting their assistance to scope indicative proposals for new or enhanced intervention, along with broad estimates of the costs and benefits in terms of greenhouse gas mitigations and the economic growth potential, and we're waiting on those returns coming in. So hopefully I've articulated the vision of what we're trying to do. We have an overarching strategy and then that will be underpinned and supported by a delivery framework on the ground. And it is 30 years, so you know, just to recognise that this isn't a, an overnight success, this is going to take some time. And then having provided you with the outline of how it's shaping up, it's probably worth mentioning two other important elements, metrics and governance. So the impact of green growth, the, the strategy itself, at the end objectives, and, and the elements within it, they all need to be monitored and evaluated and reported on over time so that success can be measured and corrective action taken where necessary. And in particular, it will be important to establish baselines. At this stage of the process, carbon emissions, it's been decided, will be used as the primary measure um, for poor productivity, environmental damage and health risks. But this is, so this will allow us to prioritise those actions that best reduce emissions and promote productivity, environmental enhancement, and health and well-being. And we've touched on some of those in the session with David. So importantly, while carbon will be the primary proxy measure, other measures will still be used within each thing and to monitor each element of the delivery framework and the strategy's progress generally. So that's not to say that we'd be measuring carbon, but not measuring water quality and not measuring biodiversity improvement. Um, and I just want to be really clear on that, that it's not seen um, solely through that lens. Um, and that means we'll also be looking at the environmental indicator set out in the programme for government and the commitments contained within new decade, new approach. So we actually, to take this forward, we've set up a green growth metrics strand of the project uh, and we've got interest from you know, external scientific and academic organisations including AFPE and Queen's who are keen to offer support in this arena. And then in governance, just to again just keep everybody um, abreast of what's happening, um, we're definitely applying best practice in terms of how we're taking this forward. Uh, we've got governance structures agreed and the steps taken to implement uh, a few of the initial priority uh, governance arrangements that we need. So firstly, in line with this commitment in the statement to the Assembly, our Minister, except Minister Dodds, Malin, Minister Murphy and Minister McGillaman to invite them to join the Green Growth Interministerial Group and a date has been agreed for that meeting later this month. And together those ministers will help steer this agenda in terms of green growth for the executive and green growth for the people of Northern Ireland. And then secondly, there's also a Green Growth Strategic Oversight Group and the role of this group is to provide, provide oversight of input into the strategy design phase of our work. And this will be comprised of senior reps from the business areas within DERA and across other departments. Uh, and they will ensure that this will be you know, an integrated, well-communicated and well-developed strategy. And it will include subject matter experts. So Chair, I'd finally like to paint a picture of what sort of lies ahead and the priority work of the vision. Um, so over the next six months, the focus will be firmly on progressing the co-design of the strategy and the framework. We're actively building expertise in our, what is a very small team, but a very significant piece of work. Following the feedback from the engagement to date, we're currently taking a stock take of all of that information, insights and the views received. We're finalising the formation of the various stakeholder groups that we will be involved in in the co-design. 
and those are being established in a range of mechanisms which allow businesses and organisations to demonstrate their commitment to the Green Museum and to be recognised for doing so. We have a huge amount of interest in this, um, and of course we, you know, we want to engage with the committee further as the process develops. We want to ensure you're cited on the progress. However, very importantly, I would like to take this opportunity today to ask for your early views on the approach and the development of the Green Coast strategy and what you've heard today in terms of how we're going to take forward the delivery framework. And just one, one sort of point that I, I probably would have to highlight is that in all of this, we're very conscious of the competing priorities that exist across the MICS, not least the challenges ahead concerning EU transition and COVID-19. We're also conscious of the important role green growth will have in helping us to achieve the fundamental change required in our society over the next 30 years. So it is crucial that we plan this process properly and engage people effectively and seek the appropriate support. And at the minute, that's exactly what we intend to do. And um, so it's a, it, is a, it is a challenge. Um, it's very uh, overarching for the executive. It's bringing everything together. Some people have used the term the wrapper, um, the, the, the piece of work that will join all the dots. Um, and thank you, Chair, for the opportunity to make these opening remarks. And myself and Aaron, who's the Programme Director, are more than happy to receive your feedback and to answer any questions. Th thank you very much, uh, Tracy, for that uh, fulsome uh, overview uh, of, of where we're at. I mean, I'm just if I could start off probably making the same comments that, that I made to David. I mean, green growth is, uh, is obviously well supported uh, and it's obviously vitally important uh, to our business and our community that we do plan ahead uh, and that there's some kind of certainty for businesses in, in, the, in the future development. The point I made to David, I'm going to make to yourself, you know, it seems to me that it, even with this green growth, it would have been better that it sat under the umbrella of, of a climate act that, that give uh, industry and, and sectors certainty with regard to targets for carbon reduction. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's not good that we're working and, and progressing with green, uh, a green growth strategy. I think it would have been better. Uh, sitting underneath the Climate Act uh, and, and allowing certainty. In terms of uh, the community participation, Tracy, I mean, you you, you talked about the groups uh, involved. I mean, you didn't mention trade unions. Uh, I, I think it would be important uh, that uh, I mean, trade unions and workers are, are included at every step of the way and that just transition principles are, are followed. Uh, so that we're not leaving people behind and that we're not uh, sort of disbanding people or know that people have certainty and feel part of the process and, and engaged in the process. And then just finally, the last point, uh, I mean, obviously it's 20 or 30 years of a strategy uh, and you outline some of the work that's, that's going on ahead. Uh, but in terms of a, a timetable for the actual strategy, when do you, I mean, do you envisage this up and running in this mandate, for example, or when can we see uh, certainty yeah. in that? Yeah, okay, so I'll, I'll address the three points there, Philip, and I'll take your point on the, the point you raised earlier about the Climate Change Act, and I've noted that in terms of the order that we're doing this in. Um, however, you know, we're still committed to this, and, and a lot of it aligns with the same overall target of net zero by 2050. Um, on the unions, um, again, um, I think uh, I would be convinced that we have the unions uh, noted as one of our key stakeholder groups. So I picked that up well, as an action point to make sure that that's checked. The, the unions will be certainly part of that Green Coast community that we like. Um, and finally, then on the timelines, 
Um, initially, we believe that um, we had a target to have a draft strategy out um, by March 2021. Um, at this stage, I would say, just with the wealth of information coming in, um, the wealth of uh, input into the beginning of the co-design process, and some people being tied up on EU transition um, and COVID, the aim certainly will be to, to work towards that, but at this stage, I definitely have, I would be pretty confident that this will be in this current mandate, Philip. Okay, thanks very much, Tracy. Ethel, um, Pate? Pate? Come on, Andy, you're right, Chair. Yeah. Well, one of the strategies we've just, um, we've, we've heard um, all this stuff in the past about Green Deal, and it's good to see the Department focusing on that. Well, I was, I was listening there carefully to what Tracy said about um, working with other government departments, and I'm specifically interested in the economic benefits of Green Deal and green opportunities. So I'd like to hear if um, in the liaisons and, and uh, working with the Department of the Economy specifically, and maybe even more specifically in Invest NI, if at this stage, well, there's plenty of opportunities, if at this stage formal opportunities are being uh, explored, um, as I anticipate they should be. Yeah, Patsy, absolutely. We have met so far with Invest NI and both with the Department for Economy. Um, and and they both said both quite different meanings perhaps in terms of what we covered but similar issues um, and with Invest NI we were talking about how we will engage businesses on this in terms of um, the focus of the environment in their business plans and also looking ahead to the potential for green jobs um, as we change you know maybe some of the direction of travel in areas such as hydrogen and um, when it comes to economy um, and both the energy and economy and, and the, the economy division itself, um, you can see that the energy they're already working towards their strategy, they're developing their energy strategy out to 2050, and we're engaged with them in, in that area. Um, they also will be members of the strategic oversight group, so we're trying again, as I said, to join up the dots there. Um, on the economy side, you'll appreciate that Department for Economy have a lot of issues to deal with right now, um, and our conversations have been in the round, you know, they've got immediate pressures in terms of the economy as a result of COVID-19, but they're completely wedded to the future that we're trying to articulate, Patsy, in terms of the longer term and in terms of green jobs. So yes, the early conversations, and that's said we're at the early stage of this, but those two parties that you've mentioned, yes, we've, we're already in the engagement with those. Okay. okay. And are they, let me just follow up, are they, what kind of feedback are they making into the overall strategy? What sort of involvement are they in development helping strategically to develop uh, yeah. the strategy? They'll be brought around, so this is early engagement, they will be brought into, you'll see there there's a, a Green Post Forum. Um, yeah. So you, we, around that table we're going to have a strategic oversight group, and that is senior representatives at Green Street levels of deputy per sec passing, um, somebody covering economy, somebody covering transport, somebody covering energy, somebody covering agriculture, those things that I talked about. So they will be members of the strategic oversight group and then underneath that there's going to be a green books um, forum uh, which again will be subject matter experts uh, and that will include the likes of Invest NI. So they are all going to be invited if not already, but some of them are already invited into that uh, structure that we've put in place to design the strategy. Okay, that's right. Thanks very much for that. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Tracy. Claire? Thanks, Chair. So, I don't know my cat, sorry. <laughs> um, just on the back of that, can I add a, a, a potentially a question? Is it possible for the committee to have 
uh, the details are this sort of who is being engaged at what level. But Tracy made mention that the big players are involved in the co-design and that there's other engagement stakeholders and that there's some associated the public participation with all this as well. Um, is that something that we could request? Yeah, you want the detail? Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I'll go to Aaron because I think we already have identified the majority of these and you can give the, because we've, I know Chair, there's a huge amount of people yeah. uh, banging at the door to be involved in this yeah. and our, mm -hmm. our biggest challenge at the minute is managing that and managing it through a virtual uh, room um, but that's our plan so Aaron might have, uh, I think we, we would have everybody identified more or less Aaron, the big one is the Green Books community it could be um, one that we just need to be careful how we manage it, but very important one, Claire. Um, because this, this is public participation, as I see it, is what you've been asking for. Yeah. Um, Aaron, do you want to come in? Aaron, you're muted, I think. Oh, you can't hear Aaron, Claire, can you? No, can But is it? Yeah, I'll take it forward. Is it possible for the committee to have those details forwarded on? I don't see a problem with it, it's all right. Yeah, the people themselves are involved, they're home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. And listen, then I wanted to ask again, so we have the environment strategy, we've just gone through that, we're going to bring both the key and Andrew Bradley said, Jim being um, used as the main upfront um, output measure, um, but I would even acknowledge that other measures um, will be there as well, and you know, particularly in, in terms of the green growth. Um, I think that's really, really important. I want to come back to that sort of environmental enhancement and the levels of monitoring that's being thought of here as well. So in terms of measuring if carbon is out front and centre, um, what kind of baselines will be used? Because we know, for example, air quality is, you know, carbon's not just the only factor there in terms of the pollution, uh, the pollution our waterways, it's not necessarily carbon that's that as well. So we have the other ones. So what's what will we use as the, the baseline for that environmental enhancement to be coming forward? Yeah, and I suppose, and I'm asking that again, you know, in the context of the um, environment bill going through Westminster, where we didn't have those baselines set, and it's not Northern Ireland specific, and we're being left in this the void. Um, so, if the strategies coming up, what are we using our baselines, and how are we going to measure enhancement? Yeah, and, and Claire, that's, when it, that's why we've identified a, a work stream. Um, in some ways, we want one version of the truth in terms of what the baseline is and then what we're planning to get to. Um, so we've set up a, a particular work stream to look at that um, and develop the metrics. Um, so we do have information in terms of water quality. We do have development underway on the programme for government indicators. So all of those will all have to be captured, Claire, and not all of them will be owned by Darren. Um, a number of these uh, measurements will be owned by others in terms of, for example, the transport and the energy. Um, so there's a bit of work to be done on that uh, in terms of baselining, and that's why we've set about a particular uh, work strand to do that, to baseline everything, where are we starting from and where we want to get to. Uh, the overarching one's easy to do because you can sit and say you want net zero by 2050, but those other ones in terms of biodiversity, and um, water quality, I mean our water quality if you know is sitting at 36-37% um, and you know previously with any targets around 70% um, and then we've got P and N you know, issues that David has mentioned so I still think there's a bit of work to be done in terms of setting those uh, targets which is back to what David was saying there in terms of the environment strategy but this will all have to tie in so uh, I'm afraid I, I can't give you the exact answers right now um, because there's more work to be done in terms of what those targets will be Okay, um, 
my goal to declare my interest I'm, I'm not waiting for next year, I'm going to 2045, by the way. <laughs> some, some, some people are looking for 2040, so don't be worried. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, just in terms of, so those be assigned, I mean, that, that does concern me, and I'll put it out there, because we don't have a legislative framework, and any legislation that we do have in terms of environmental measures or outputs, we are in breach of quite a few of them. Um, so without that legal framework, you know, the, if we don't have that backed up with you know, setting those baselines, um, I think that we're just, you know, yeah. on an area that we shouldn't be on, really. Um, and we're starting from a very low baseline because of the damage and the environmental context that we all that them, particularly with biodiversity and pollution in particular. Um, so how you, how will, so that's baseline. How, how will it be monitored? What's the conversations? What's the thinking the tech behind how this is going to be monitored? Um, well, we have yeah. So sorry. it's already. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's right. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's it's already there. It's there because we don't actually have the strategy developed, and um, but we are already thinking about the fact that this will need careful monitoring. So we've got an interministerial group, you know, which we will be discussing with them on at the end of this month in terms of the overall. Uh, ambition um, and then sitting underneath that we will have at least sister strategies as we call them and we need to align and say what is the target that's being set down in the economy, what's being set down in transport, what's being set down in terms of future agricultural policy um, and, and then the monitoring will actually take place through that strategic oversight group that's going to be steering the whole of the framework and some people, you know, I've heard the comments saying the green growth framework should really keep us you know, keep us on our toes, keep us monitoring, keep us making sure that we're doing the right thing heading towards these targets. Um, so that's all therapy developed, but that's our thinking at the minute. And that's why the governance arrangements have been established pretty early on in this in terms of that oversight group. Okay, so again, um, in the head is the going for growth strategy. So that strategy was no doubt delivered, but has no environmental impact assessment carried out. So in, in if we're not looking at baselines yet, if that's an ongoing conversation, if you know, current monitoring has shown us that where we are in breach, the action's not being taken there either. So all that's under development. Will this strategy have an environmental impact assessment carried out? Could that be used as something to then build from and set those moving forward? Well, certainly we'll, we'll, we'll look at that, Jack. Absolutely, we'll have a look at that. Um, at this stage, as I say, we're we're thinking all of those things through. You know, we do want to monitor each element of that delivery framework that I talked about. You know, say for example, even the Forest for the Future as a foundation program, there's monitoring already built into that. Um, so there's a there there's there has to be a mechanism to capture all of that and then to monitor this throughout. Um, I do think just you know, you're thinking this is what we need, this is what we want to hear from you today. You know, what are the important things that we need to be building into this whole process? Um, we don't want to miss anything. This is it's going to be 30 years in the making. We want to be well developed, well monitored, executed, um, and that's the plan, Claire. So, uh, really, you know, in terms of not answering some of your questions, because we're still thinking those things through. Okay, thanks. Okay. Well, that's my suggestion: is that both the environment strategy and the corporate green growth strategy um, are both environmentally assessed um, in terms of their impact before we go anywhere with them. Thanks. Yeah. No, thanks, Claire. Yeah, John, are you, John, you're next on the list. Are you online, John? Can you hear us, John Blair? He, I know he's having connection problems there. Well, so we'll move around to, to William and maybe come back to John again. William? Thank you, Mr Chairman, and thank Tacey for her presentation. 
I think green growth strategy is very important for the future. I mean, we have, uh, I'm just looking here at, you know, the, the, the agri-food industry is worth 49.9 billion in sales. Uh, it creates up to 100,000 jobs. Like, the, the future is vital. I think we're the envy of many across Europe. Uh, we have a very thriving agri-food sector. Um, will, we know that the environmental, environment strategy that David talked about earlier, the green growth strategy will probably have to work in tandem with that. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah? Absolutely. absolutely. Well, then, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and, and the agri-foods that you mentioned there, so, you know, in terms of Dara and my colleagues, one of the things will be the agri-food um, as a particular thing. Um, and we're working with our food and farming group colleagues on that. And, and obviously it's linked to the future agricultural policy. Uh, and looking at how to, you know, the issue that we mentioned earlier in terms of sustainability going forward. Um, uh, you know, so it's, it's very much joined up. Um, they're very much aligned. Uh, and it's that balance between protecting the environment and ensuring that growth can still happen. Yeah, I mean that that, that, is, that is vital for the future, and, and getting there is a, the big task. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, and we do looking at those issues. You know, I, I'm not going to take away from what food and farming group and will be doing, but will be doing. But certainly, our conversations with them have been along the lines of you know technology in the future. You know, what will they be doing differently? How to you know in terms of you know better you know educating farmers, giving them time, and giving them you know help to get there. Yeah. Um, so that's the type of conversation William we're having. That's good. Thank you. Um, thank you, William, and thank you, Tracy. Um, John, can you are you back in there, John? John Blair? No. No. Uh, we're going to move down to. Um, uh, oh, sorry. We um, asked a question uh, on behalf of John um, because it's connection. John's asked the question: Is the delivery plan going to have a time frame? The delivery plan is actually, um, in some ways, Chair, the delivery plan is kicked off. Um, you know, the strategy has a timeline that we certainly want to develop a strategy and get out in this mandate. The delivery uh, framework is happening as we're speaking, in some respects, because, um, you know, while it's not fully articulated, we, we're not letting the grass grow under us in terms of if there's something that we can do, we will do it. And that's the likes of the forest for our future. So it's already kicked off. And we're also taking work forward in terms of um, what are being called, you know, rainbows agreements, companies and firms coming to us saying we want to work with you. And to give you a flavour of this, you know, we, we've been talking to Tourism MI, the National Trust, CBI, um, Belfast Harbour Commission. You know, the, the amount of people that are engaged in this process is quite significant. Um, and what we're, we're aiming to do is, is develop some pilot work with them in terms of the delivery framework. So I think the delivery framework is actually kicked off. Um, we might not have it um, nicely uh, worded just yet in the narrative, Chair, but um, we will do uh, over the next coming months, but uh, it's, it's already in action. Um, John is also asking the question, can the, the community strand uh, include schools, local enterprise agencies, community organisations, in addition to Invest NI? Yeah, and again, um, when we're doing some work in that area, um, the community strand, I think if we're talking about the Green Growth community, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Certainly, we, we look at that, John, in terms of making sure that that list is complete and wide
Yeah, thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you very much for your presentation. I could have been too far. But I managed to along the same thing as John was supposed to be like. Unfortunately, we live in a throwaway society. Uh, a careful society, I might add. There needs to be a massive education in terms of green growth. And there are no greater education, in my opinion, than children. Children may be adults. I remember when my twin grandchildren were of an age and we started back with Carly, similar to Spelly, to me, I had the food bubble, the fact that I knew you the food bubble all the time. So, uh, does the department, I suppose, I'd like the actual department again to engage with the education system to highlight and encourage greater participation of the tagging environment, reducing waste, fewer schools, and the school children? Yeah, and, and Morris, we already do a bit of that through the eco schools. You know, there's already a program in place, um, and that's very successful. Um, so we're not going to drop that. If anything, we'll be building on that because that's a, a great success story. And in terms of the green growth itself, we have already identified uh, with Aaron and the team that we would be doing uh, more work in terms of the young people. Because when you think about it, you know, this is a 30-year strategy, and you know, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you know, we're we're sitting here at a certain age. Developing a strategy, which actually is a strategy for, um, dare I say it, my children and grandchildren. Um, so it's really important that we engage the young people in it. And you know, I've read as well the, the piece of work that Simon did on the environment strategy, and there was a lot of engagement with the young people. So that information will also feed into the Green Growth Framework as we develop it. But more specifically, we are in the Green Growth engaging with the, the young people, the young, the young citizens, as, as we've identified them. And, and the Eco Schools is, is actually very good. Rosemary? Yeah. Tracy, thank you very much. Tracy, I'm just wondering what engagement you've had with councils and with um, you know our district councils. I know we've spoken we there's been engagement in relation to obviously the waste strategy, but I'm wondering what engagement you've other other engagement you've had with them. Yeah. Yeah, and um, the two, um, there's two councils specifically. Early on, Rosemary, we um, brought together a, a reference group, um, and we had Belfast City Council chief executive Stan Wiley at that, and also representative from Derry Strand, and that was to get the early thinking, Rosemary, in terms of what the councils were doing. Um, and as you know, different councils are at different stages in terms of um, where they're delivering in this, but it clearly links into their local development plans. It clearly links into their um, gosh, the cities, city deals, and um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of linkages there. And even more recently, you know, I had a more detailed conversation with Belfast City Centre. So um, I think the councils are are pretty engaged on this. The ones that we've dealt with, but they are identified that we will deal with all councils as we go forward. But I have to say, at the start, we had more specific contact with um, the two the two bigger councils. Uh -huh. Yeah, because I'm thinking this this is a green green growth strategy, and those are city areas. I think perhaps maybe a little bit more engagement yeah. in the rural, with Absolutely. the with the rural yeah. councils, and um, one one other thing, if if I may ask, um, that is, how, have you made any steps, or what way are you looking at trying to identify and secure funding to establish programs programs of work for the future? Oh, that's in the pipeline, Rosemary. Yeah. Um, and, and Minister Murphy's invited to the interministerial group meeting. Um, so early, you know, early discussions only on that one, Rosemary. But that, that's certainly, you know, this will have to have a, 
there's a lot of cost to it. There's money attached. Mm -hmm. um, now, obviously, own departments will already have been for their own uh, pieces of work. You know, should it be energy or transport or agriculture for that matter? Um, so that all needs to be uh, identified and then considered in the rounds in terms of maybe maybe there's a different way to do this in terms of a funding approach going forward. But that's very very early in the process, Rosemary, in terms of discussions on that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Claire. You're looking back in. Claire? Um, yeah, can you hear me, sorry? Yeah, you can answer. Just, yeah, just wanted to follow up on one of the things you talked about there. I'm thinking, where, where do the departments see the sustainable economic growth within this strategy? Um, and what areas do you think will be required to focus on a degrowth model? Uh, I, I, I suppose, in some ways, there, we're, the Minister has, has um, written out to all the departments to actually ask, you know, what are the big initiatives that you're taking forward that will contribute to uh, net zero and what are the other benefits that they will bring about. Um, and I think we do need to do that bit of exercise to actually scale, you know, to sort of look and say what is happening across the, across the board, you know, what's happening that actually might um, take us in a new direction for Northern Ireland, you know, will energy be our next thing, will tourism, you know, we did the whole staycation, you know, is there a different way to do that? So I think there's a bit of work to be done to land, you know, look at that sort of landscape um, and then see, you know, where do we put the main emphasis and the main focus on. Um, and it's not, you know, economy will be looking at the great jobs, um, but it's not only economy, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's there's jobs in forestry, you know, in terms of, um, you know, the forest for our future, there's rural jobs to be thought about. Um, so again, there's a, there's a, when we get all of that in from all of the departments, we will have to look at that and say, right, what is this? What 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 way is this going to take us in terms of sustainable growth? Um, and again, that's all part of this co-design process. We need to get all the information in, uh, analyze it, and assess it, and, and consider what way it will shape up um, for policies and strategies going forward. Okay. I, mean, I, can get, I can get my view, but you know, I won't have the full information. Yeah, no, that's okay. But is there an acknowledgement that some areas will have to be on a degrowth model? I don't think that that particular conversation, those words haven't actually been, you know, uh, used yet, Claire. Um, so I, I don't know whether there'll be a natural, you know, that will happen naturally in some areas, maybe just because of the situation we're in, um, and we have to think differently, and we have to, you know, think that for Northern Ireland, we just have to change our uh, unique selling point, as somebody said to me recently, you know, maybe, maybe we market ourselves different, so, you know, those words haven't degrowth haven't actually been used to be honest um, in the conversation so far, but it's early day. Okay, thank you. Um, okay. Um, and just see before we finish off on the question here, um, um, see in terms of involving children and young people, I just think that's crucial and I just know from my own work at community level at home uh, where we um, manage an ASSA as part of a community facility that it's children, not only is it about their future, but it's also, they can also come up with some of the best ideas, provided that they're involved in the consultation process, uh, but also trying to reach out to them in uh, a medium that they understand through art or through competitions or whatever. Has the department thought of any novel ways or, or ways of trying to involve children in, 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 de in the development of the strategy through schools or whatever, through, um, is there any, sort of mediums that they would have or any 
Yeah. Have you any ideas that they would have to involve children in this process? Yeah, Chair, um, I know that the Department on the Environment Strategy um, did use the lyric um, and did the plays for, for the children. I'm sure Simon's probably a better place to, to talk about that than me, but as far as I understand, that was a, a great success in, in terms of reaching out. So we take the lessons for that forward and to bring both. Um, but yeah, we have looked at innovative ways of, of doing that. Um, Simon, did we do that? Is it the lyric we used? Yeah, I think. Yes, the, the, um, the lyric was, I think, on the specific issue of single-use plastics. Um, uh, with EPDs work there. Uh, we, in terms of the strategy itself, uh, looked at various events of culture, wildlife, uh, people that are in beautiful uh, eco-schools. Indeed, when we launched the public discussion document, we worked with Ulster Wildlife, Keeper and Beautiful and the Belfast Hills Partnership to do a litter pick in North Belfast, just in the hills north of Belfast, and the minister attended with the BBC. So very much uh, large groups of uh, children involved there, uh, students, pupils, clearing up litter, um, and uh, yes, a very successful event, um, which got uh, pretty good media coverage as well. So, so Chair, we, we pick up on those lessons that have been used by others in terms of engaging with the, the young people. I suppose the other thing I would maybe mention is, I don't know whether anybody's tuned in to My MI. Um, we have another way of um, getting out the message and through social media. Um, and we've done some great work through My MI in terms of, particularly during the COVID period, in terms of looking out and watching, you know, your nature and the litter and all of that, all of those good, that good uh, information that went on during the summer months and um, you know protect you know if you're out on a staycation protect the nature so we will be using we've already had discussions about using that social media and um, to deliver messages around green growth um, and we, we do know that young people are more inclined to follow the social media and um, so yeah we, we, we look a wee bit further in that chair just in terms of the, the points that everybody in the union has raised there around making sure that we engage uh, to young people in this process and just being completely unrelated i know that the topic of uh, farming has been raised here a number of occasions in terms of emissions, but will the future environment strategy and the green growth strategy, will it recognise that the CO2 emissions that are emitted as a consequence of farming and food production are part of a cyclical, a biological cyclical process uh, which involves the sequestration of CO2 back into the environment and through the land, which the farmers uh, who maintain in a way that maximises the sequestration as part of that cyclical biological process. Yeah, uh, I know. Um, you know that's, that's definitely within the, the arena of future agricultural policy, chair, um, and we're feeding through through that sort of mechanism um, to make sure that that's captured in terms of the carbon sequestration. So there is a bit of work underway in that. Um, Certainly with our science colleagues and the department. So, yeah, that's been factored in. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. And thank the officials for your attendance this morning. It was a, a good session with a lot of questions and a lot of very detailed answers. So, thank you very, very much for that. Um, thank you. Thank you. Now, take care. We're going to move in now to um, item five here on the agenda. It's um, the Greenhouse Oral Evidence, the Greenhouse Gas Emissions Trading Scheme. Uh, I want to refer members to the briefing from the clerk at page 83 to 85 and correspondence to the department at 86 to 89.
And members will be aware that this SA forms part of the ETS Common Framework that we, um, that we have been considering. Uh, we have John Mills, Richard Coe and Hugh McGinn on Starleaf. You are very welcome. And I'd like to uh, invite you to um, brief the committee and then the committee members will then ask some questions of you. So, thank you very much. Um, thank you, Chair. Uh, can I just check that members can uh, hear and see me okay? Yeah. Great. Okay, as uh, committee members will be well aware, as part of leaving the, the EU at the end of the uh, implementation period, the UK will cease to participate in the EU Emissions Trading Scheme, or EUETS, so I shall refer to it. GP installations and non-generators in Northern Ireland will join either the UK ETS or be subject to a carbon tax. The legislation to put those in place, the UK ETS, was debated and affirmed by the Assembly on the 3rd of November and committee members were prominent in that debate. Unlike the order to establish the UK ETS, which was debated, and which was made under the Climate Change Act 2008, the regulations before the committee now, the Greenhouse Gas Emissions Trading Scheme Withdrawal Agreement EU Exit Regulations 2020, are made under the Withdrawal Act. In that sense, they are standard Withdrawal Act regulations. That is, they are being made on our behalf in Parliament for reasons of efficiency, like other withdrawal SIs, statutory instruments. The Department for Enterprise and Industrial Strategy, affairs. Ministers have asked for uh, the Jira Minister's consent to lay this negative resolution statutory instrument in Parliament as it affects evolved matters. As part of the clearance process, the Minister is seeking the Committee's views before responding. The regulations implement elements of the withdrawal agreement, including the Northern Ireland Protocol. From a Northern Ireland perspective, the main impact of the regulations is to preserve the uh, single electricity market by implementing the protocols requirement for Northern Ireland electricity generators to remain in the EU ETS. This ensures that there is no distortion of the single electricity market uh, due to differential carbon pricing uh, north and south. The regulations cover a number of other issues besides the protocol requirement for Northern Ireland electricity generators to remain in the EU ETS. These concern the winding up of UK installations, participation in the EU ETS. They ensure that UK operators continue to comply with their compliance op obligations on emissions for the 2020 year on reporting, verification and so on during 2021, by which time obviously uh, they will have left the EU ETS. They also provide for the continuance of the UK's international reporting obligations under the Kyoto Protocol on Climate Change. This fulfills obligations under Article 96 of the Withdrawal Agreement. These provisions are not relevant to the Northern Ireland uh, electricity generators who will remain in the EU ETS, but are relevant to Northern Ireland non-generators, just as they are to GB participants. In terms of impacts on business, the uh, statutory instrument, these are the regulations, are intended to ensure that the move across on 1 January 2021 has no material effect 
In particular, Northern Ireland's electricity generators will continue to participate in the EU ETS just as they do at the moment. Should there be any unforeseen or unintended consequences, the government will look at ways of addressing these uh, to eliminate any impact. As the regulations do not add or reduce costs on business to a material extent, theirs have not carried out a full impact assessment. As I've said, the main effect, uh, as far as uh, North Ireland is concerned, is to keep things the same for electricity generators. The future for non-generators has been subject to debate in the Assembly recently, and uh, the, uh, as a result of uh, the debate uh, establishing the UK ETS. Regardless of the UK government opting for carbon tax or the UK ETS, Northern Ireland five electricity generators will remain in the EU ETS with these regulations, thus maintaining the single electricity market. That concludes my remarks, Chair. Thank you, uh, John. Um, before I, um, I bring in Claire, who's indicated she wants to ask a question, uh, one of the things that we had raised at uh, whenever this was brought before the committee uh, previously was um, was there any local impact local impact assessment carried out? And it had been indicated to us that would be provided before the debate in the chamber, which it wasn't. So, is there any assessment at all about any about the local potential local impact uh, on industry here, businesses here? Um, there was a local impact um, uh, carried out uh, assessment carried out for uh, the um, for the UK ETS. Um, I thought that had reached the committee before the debate. Um, would need to check that. Um, there's no uh, well, that, that, that assessment does um, uh, refer to the fact that uh, electricity generators will be uh, staying with the EU ETS, but there's no specific local um, uh, impact assessment on this uh, regulation because the impact is to keep things the same, so there is no impact. Okay, and, and are you? Uh, Hundred percent certain that, given the fact that the the UK ETS uh, has a slightly more stringent cap than the EU one, that that wouldn't result in carbon leakage at all on the island. Um, will there be no carbon leakage? No, I, I, I can't be. I can't be hundred percent certain because we can't see the future. But, but the um, I can see no obvious reason why uh, that the particular um, uh, the, the UK ETS uh, would result in carbon leakage uh, for, a, for a start off this regulation which deals with the electricity generators account for 80% uh, of our uh, emissions and, and more than 80% of the costs so there's no change for them, um, and on the, the that industry that is going to go hopefully into the UK ETS, uh, it is designed to make a smooth transition with the maintenance of the same number of free allowances uh, that uh, installations would have received under the EU ETS. So uh, even though uh, there is 
a five percent um, uh, uh, reduction in the in the total allowances available. That is uh, very hard to, or I find hard to see the circumstances in which uh, that would uh, result in uh, carbon leakage. I have to say that the commitment on that side, uh, on the UK ETS, not the regulations we're talking about today, is the, uh, that there will be a review of uh, the level of allowances um, uh, by the uh, Committee on Climate Change in light of their six carbon budget or interim uh, targets and, uh, and they will look at what the level of ambition will need to be um, in the UK ETS to uh, match up to the net zero target. So uh, we, we, we do have to see how that review goes uh, in the future. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, John. I'm going to move to Claire, who's indicated she wants to ask a question. Thank you, Chair, and thanks very much, John, for that. Can I just double check that did you just confirm that the carbon tax, if it is introduced, um, won't affect Northern Ireland? So even if you know we're doing the EPS scheme at the minute, but if Westminster move in the future, then to a carbon tax model that doesn't affect Northern Ireland? Uh, won't affect the um, the electricity generators who will remain in the EU ETS as a, as a result of the. Uh, Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, if there was a carbon tax, though, it would affect our non-generators, our uh, 16 uh, non-generators. Uh, there wouldn't be a UK ETS, and, and so for them to join, which is the plan at the moment, uh, so they would be caught by the carbon tax, yes, if that happened. Either, either long-term, permanently, or, or uh, for a short period, depending on the UK government side. Okay, thanks for that. But it was it the again, committee climate change wanted to ask? Has the department um, had any official communications with the committee on this scheme? Um, and is there any anything here that you do foresee? So obviously they would have come up with a review in the sector review comment at the minute. So do you foresee that there will be any significant difference between what the climate change committee are recommending and the current cap level? That we're coming to. Um, I uh, I think my my answer to that is generally I, I don't know. Uh, the, the, the 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 climate change committee has, uh, as, as I'm sure you you would be well aware, uh, does these interim carbon budgets, and it hasn't it hasn't done an interim carbon budget when the net zero target has been in place. So. First of all, we need to see what it's uh, what, what the Committee on Climate Change recommends overall uh, in terms of its if these interim steps in light of uh, the, the net zero um, uh, target. And then secondly, um, as part of that overall package, uh, the Committee on Climate Change will look at what the ambition needs to be in um, in, in in terms of a UK emissions trading scheme uh, to hit net zero. And the general feeling would be that the current cap of 5% uh, below EU levels wouldn't be ambitious enough uh, to meet uh, net zero targets. But the, the trouble we're trying to predict that is, you know, in terms
terms of government policy, you could always go um, heavier on another sector and lighter on um, the, the EU ETS. But if, if you if you if you're not as hard on the, on pushing the EU ETS, some other sector, transport or agriculture or whatever, has to make up for that. If you are going to hit the net zero targets. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Okay, so um, I want to thank uh, John and Richard and Hugh for attending this morning. Uh, or this afternoon now, <laughs> we're straddled into this afternoon. So, um, so remember, it's content that we note this essay, uh, as the previous great words, as great words, the formula of words is previously agreed. Great. Okay, thank you. Item six on the agenda is the uh, ornamental horticulture industry regulations. Uh, the memo from the clerk at 91-92, the draft SR 93-100, the explanatory memorandum 101-103, and the SL5 at 104-105. The SL1 was uh, was considered by the committee on the 1st of October. Members queried the requirement for businesses to be VAT registered in order to be eligible to apply to the scheme. Members will be aware that the requirement was subsequently removed and the committee considered the amended SR on 8th of October, which states the members indicated they were content with the policy. The, policy. the report from the Examiner of Statutory Rules, which has been uh, rules which has been tabled, advises that regulations remain on the 13th of October, laid on the 14th of October, and commend operation on the 14th of October. The department acknowledged uh, that the explanatory referendum to the regulations, that the regulations were laid in breach of the 21-day rule, and apologised and explained the reason for the breach. The department advises the, 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 advises the department considered the breach necessary, given the urgent need to provide financial assistance as soon as possible. The ESR is content the department has, on this occasion, provided a satisfactory reason for the breach, which has occurred in the context of the department's urgent response to the coronavirus uh, pandemic. Um, Members, any comments on this scheme? Um, okay. um, are we content that we put the question in the Committee for Agriculture, Environment, Rural Affairs, considered SR 2020-2018, the Ornamental Horticulture Industry Coronavirus Finance Assistance Scheme regulations, and there's no objection to the rule? Great. Great. Okay. Uh, item 7, uh, SL1 Organic uh, Produce Regulations 2020. Uh, the memos at page 107 and 110, the SL1 is 111 to 114, the draft SR is 120, 115 to 126, <coughs> and the explanatory memorandum and equality price screening really needs an impact assessment at 127 to 157. The SSR is subject to negative resolution procedure and will be laid in the Assembly later this month, and the amendments made by the SR will come under operation on implementation completion day. The SR does not amend existing policy and fees. These are already in place uh, across the UK via the Organic uh, Product Regulations uh, 2009. Following transition period, um, SI 209842 will only apply to England, Scotland and Wales. Therefore, the Department uh, states it is necessary to replicate the Organic Products Regulation 2009 to provide powers appropriate for the administration and enforcement of EU legislation in the North as part of the Northern Ireland Protocol. As the regulations do not make any changes to the current statute requirements, the Department did not carry out a public consultation. Our officials engaged with the Belfast City Council as well as the Department of Justice and the Department of Finance. Both departments give uh, permission in relation to fees, offences and penalties. Um, 
um, you know, so there are um, there are officials in standby if you want anything clarified in this, or are members okay with it, or okay with it? Okay. 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 Are members content that SL one moves to the next. This SL one moves to the next stage. Okay. Okay, item eight, eight on the agenda, genetically modified uh, organism, EU exit regulation 2002. Um, the, uh, there's, a, there's a memo from Stella at 169 to 171, the SL1 is 172 to 174, and the draft SR is 175 to one, uh, on page 175. The SR is subject to negative resolution procedure and uh, the amendments by the SR will come into operation on implementation period completion day. Purpose of the SR is to implement EU legislation listed in the North in relation to genetically modified organism by resolving operab operability issues. No consultation is carried out in respect of this, as dear believe that does not introduce any new policy. Um, okay. So um, one of the things I, I will say is that DERA are suggesting that it will also be possible that the North is no longer a member state to apply to uh, to market GMOs solely here in the north. Um, should we get some written information in relation to this aspect? For example, on what systems and procedures would be in place to allow DERA to decide that a GMO could be marketed here? Written up to that okay? Sure. Yeah? Is there not a strong lobby within the UK to progress more freedom for the use of GMOs now? You know, there's quite a strong lobby and I think we need to maybe... A bit of clarification on that. I want to bring in, there's, we have got um, Ken Bradley, Paul Devine, and Mark Preston. Do we want to bring them in maybe to clarify something? Else? Okay. Can Ken, Ken, Paul, and Mark, can you hear us there? Yes, Jerry, I hear you. Yeah. Rosemary, just want to raise that? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, there's, is there a case where the UK could diverge away from the EU? Thinking because there's a strong lobby within the UK who's wishing to progress free, more freedom for the use of GMOs. Um, well, the devolved uh, GB could, after uh, exit day, after the transition period, uh, diverge from current uh -huh. EU policy. Northern Ireland cannot put the protocol. Now, I, I'm not sure um, what. Uh, interest or is for introducing GMO crops in the UK. The most recent um, issue was the uh, EU approved eight different varieties of maize crop to be uh, grown in the EU, but all uh, all parts of the UK and Ireland uh, opted out uh, of that and have no intention of uh, growing maize. Though in actual respect, maize will be commercially viable here, and they both just want to go here. Yeah. So there is no um, um, stance that I know or understand that uh, the GB or the UK is pro uh, GM. GAFRA probably has the most uh, liberal stance. They said any decision on GMO crops or otherwise would be based on, on the science. And I said there is, there is no. Uh, there's no approved crops or anything that is available in, in the UK or Ireland. Okay. Okay, Rosemary? Yeah. So are we content that this uh, SL1 moves to the next legislative stage? Okay. Mm -hmm. Right, item nine, the SL1 um, 
pesticides and invasive alien species regulations, 2020. Uh, the memo, the SL1 and the draft SR are at page 179 to 184 in the packs. The SR is subject to a negative resolution and will be laid in the assembly and the amendments made by the SR will come into operation and implementation period completion day. The purpose of the SR is to implement EU legislation listed in the NA protocol in relation to pesticides and invasive alien species resolving operability issues. No consultations carried out as uh, Dare believes that no policy changes. Um, members okay with this or do I any queries? Okay. 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 Happy to move this one to the next stage. Okay. Written briefing, uh, further LCM and medical and uh, medical medicines and medical devices bill. Uh, again, th this is um, correspondence, the LCM, and correspondence from the, the health minister to the chair of the committee. They're all contained at pages 186 to 199 in your packs. The committee considered this LCM uh, on the 11th. June 2020, uh, subsequently received the agreement of the Assembly on the 16th of June. On the 22nd of October, the Executive agreed that a further LCM is now required to take account of recent uh, UK Government amendments to the Bill, and they're detailed in 189 to 195 and be laid in the Assembly by the Department of Health. May I ask to consider and provide his views on the memorandum respect to the amendments relating to the veterinary medicines, as outlined in your packs. And, um, the health, the health Committee is also considering the memorandum insofar as relevant to uh, human, human medicines. Um, members have any comments or anything that they want to raise in respect to this one here? There's a number of amendments, so expecting these are content with those amendments, members? Yeah. The, uh, I just want to look into it in the back there. I, it's, I think that the key amendment is creating a medical devices information system. Um, that that's the, the key the key amendment to this one here. Um, were to improve the I I to either to take action in the event of a recall or identify devices that are implanted in in patients. Um, strengthen the legal basis for sharing information internationally. I think that's the, the, the purpose of it. So, um, are, are members content that we write to Health Committee outline in our consideration of this? Or do I bring any officials to any questions you have? No? Okay. So, are members content that the letter is cleared by correspondence due to the need to respond before the committee meets again next week? Yeah. Enough. Sorry, John. Yeah. Where John? Sorry, I missed your hand up there. Yes, go, John. Apologies. Uh, on point seven of the report, if we go back to here, yeah. there's the um, uh, issue of regulations uh, which might be made, including manufacturing, market supply, and free trials. Um, and we know there'll be a fair uh, amount of uh, technical information required in relation to this. Could we also seek? Um, uh, assurances that there will be no delay in implementing any procedure to be in place prior to um, or, or immediately after that, or January 21. Yeah, uh, well, there's, um, we have a number of uh, officials here on, on standby. Do any of you want to uh, pick up on that query from John, Naomi, Francis, or Alistair? Yeah, 
terms of correspondence, uh, correspondence at 230 to 387. Are we happy to, uh, are members happy to action the correspondence suggested in the index sheet? Okay. And in 14, yeah. okay, happy enough. The forward work programme, uh, it's at pages 389 to 290 pages. Okay. Um, can I ask members to note that next week we'll be getting a briefing uh, on the future agriculture policy, including direct payments. Can suggest also, folks, that we ask the UFU to present to us on what it considers a future agriculture <coughs> policy be like. We can also <coughs> uh, a, a written briefing from Neapla on this as well. Okay. Um, this is likely to be an area of big area of work for the committee to the end of the month. I seek agreement for the communications office to draft a press release. Uh, following on the future agriculture policy briefing, the committee can sign off on next week's meeting. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Are we happy enough with the forward work program? We agreed to. Yeah. Um, do members uh, um, have any um, other items of business they wish to raise? Yeah. Yes, Rosemary. Yeah. Uh, it was just this morning. I think yesterday evening bit concerned in relation to a statement put out by the software company in relation to the software being available for the ports right. um, when, when we transition out of the EU. Uh -huh. Anyway, with more that, information you, about that. Is, that. is this the DEER ICT system? Or yes, the, the DEER ICT. DEER ICT? It seemed to be the DEER ICT system. Yeah, yeah. could you check up? Have a... Can I ask that? Yeah. I, I can. I, I thought officials had told us they were well in advance. And that, yes. That they're here. You did. You hear the same? Hmm? You heard the same this morning. Yep. Yeah. I heard it. I recall from the briefing last week. Isn't the DEER ICT system to integrate with the Traces NT system? There. So there's. Sure. Is there some? There obviously is some. Yeah. Right, that's something that's urgent that's because that's I've important just, for the. I've just pulled it up. So is that the agency sector management one? That's important for the seamless three at East West. At West East. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just, just the same point. I, I wasn't sure now, but because I, I heard it in the radio this morning, I was on the phone call, so uh, I wasn't sure whether it was the HMRC or, or the DERA system. But the software for whichever system it is, they were saying uh, wouldn't be ready until April. Yep. So. I mean, yeah. I I, 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 didn't, I didn't pick it up either. Is it GVMS, is it? The right. MRC, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, uh, so either way, I think it's important that we, we get some clarity on yeah. it. Highly does a concern. Okay. I, that, that, that's the HMRC one, isn't it? Yeah, that's the HMRC one. Uh, there's a number of different systems at play. There's a, there's a DEER ICT one, the Traces NT, and the HMRC one, which is, which is called GVMS, I think. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit convoluted. So it would be great if we could get some clarity from the department on ravel of it and see where we're all at. Would that be fair enough? Yep. Okay. Um, okay, members. Uh, so, the date and time of next meeting uh, is next Thursday, the 19th of November, 10 a.m. and, and 9.30 here in Parliament. So, um, we're going to close session here now.
Thank you, folks.